Well, uh, all right, we got a lot to get through today. So you know that we started the our series in the book of Daniel last week, and uh, we gave a really large, lengthy, thorough introduction, right? What do we do? We went through the entire, what's it called? Old Testament. Old Testament. Oh, Hayden, you got to be, it's just Weston now, okay? Just him. Uh, okay, we went through the entire Old Testament, and we went through the whole thing leading up to the book of? Okay, who said that? Oh, yeah, Critter right there. Yeah. There you go. It didn't even get to you. All right. Oh, and now I have no juice. Okay. Well, we went through the entire Old Testament leading up to Daniel, and now we're going to get into Daniel chapter number what? One. Daniel chapter one, and we're going to see what's really going on here. When we last uh, were in the Bible together last week, we got up to a certain point to start us off in the book of Daniel. And in Daniel now, Daniel has just been captured and captured by who? King. Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, you shouted it. What? Nebuchadnezzar. What did you say at first? You said Saul at first? Oh, okay. So he's captured by King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar is from the nation of? Babylon. Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon comes to the nation of? Judah. Judah. And so he takes over Judah. And uh, at first he takes it over. And then... Do the, does Judah really like being taken over? No, no right? They, they, they're not liking this. They're hating this. And so they kind of do what? They resist Babylon. They resist King Nebuchadnezzar. And once King Nebuchadnezzar finds out that they're resisting, what does he do? He... No. He captures people, and these people are... Children, the youngest, the smartest, the best of the youth, he captures up to 300, almost up to 300 junior hires. Can you believe this? Yeah, you weren't expecting that, huh? They're just around your age. Daniel is around 13 to 16, so he's close there. And all these youngins are super young, just like you. They're the best of the best, the smartest of Judah. And he takes them all, and he's going to brainwash them. He's going to educate them to be good Babylonians, and then he's going to put them into his personal service, train them up, and then send them back to Judah so that they can rule just like the Babylonians would. Do you understand? So King Nebuchadnezzar takes 300 of these youth and makes them all slaves. Included in these 300 is Daniel, right? The one that we're studying. And included in this is, what are his friends? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his friends, his buddies, go along with him, and they are all slaves now. Daniel is about 13 to 16 years old. He's ripped away from his family. He's ripped away from his siblings, his parents, the rest of his friends. And uh, imagine if this happened to you. You're just around his age. Somebody, all of a sudden, comes knocking on your door. No, they don't knock on your door. They kick it open. They open the door. They snatch you. And all of a sudden, you're taken away from your family, your siblings, your parents, your friends, your whole life. You're taken to another place. You have no idea where you're going. And now you're a slave to King Nebuchadnezzar. That's crazy, right? I mean, this is terrible for Daniel. Daniel is in a really bad and scary situation. And, uh, and so we're going to look at more in this chapter, Daniel chapter 1, what's going on. 
uh, I would be scared out of my mind. When I was your age, I couldn't be at my grandma's house for like more than a couple days, you know? The only reason why I survived was because she gave me coffee and cookies anytime I want. And that's why I have a coffee addiction, Johnny. Okay. And uh, so this is terrible. Daniel is taken away from his family. He's a slave now uh, under the Babylonian Empire with King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, it's a scary situation. But I don't think that Daniel is really afraid. Truly afraid. You know why? Because Daniel has one thing, one person who he's holding on to, and that is who? God, right? Daniel is faithful to God. He's holding on to his belief, his trust in God. He believes in God, who is sovereign, which means he's in control of everything, and he will protect Daniel, even through this really scary and difficult situation. And we will see this in our chapter today. Daniel has what I'm calling uncompromising faith. You don't have to write it down. I put it for you because it's hard to spell. Uncompromising faith. Daniel has uncompromising faith. In your outline, look at it. This is, a, I guess, a, dis, a definition of it that I gave you. Okay, Uncompromising faith, a belief and trust in Christ and a desire to obey his word that can never be shaken or change no matter the consequences. His belief and his trust in Christ will never be shaken. His desire to obey God's word can never be changed, can never be wavered. Nothing can shake Daniel from following God and from having faith in him. And King Neb's plan is to completely brainwash Daniel and all the 300 plus youth and he's going to make them into Babylonians, technically, and, and train them in his ways so that they can go back to Judah and rule over their own people. He's trying to completely reprogram them, right? He's trying to get into their brain and make them into Babylonians and forget about your old ways. And now you're going to adopt my ways and you're going to be a bunch of little Nebis, right? You're going to be a bunch of little Nebuchadnezzars and, uh, and you're going to rule for me and it's going to work perfectly. This is his plan, right? He's trying to brainwash them. And so that's what we're going to see in Daniel chapter 2. And he, Daniel chapter 1. And he does this in a couple of ways, okay? This is all intro before we get into reading so you understand what we're reading, okay? Neb is trying to completely brainwash them. He does this first. Well, not first, but in this, he changes their names. And so he gives them all new names. He's trying to recreate and re-identify themselves, uh, create for them new identities. We've got Daniel, and all of their names are uh, Hebrew names, right? And they're all communicating a truth that points to God. You know what Daniel's name means? Does anybody know? Daniel's name means God is my judge. And you know what they change it to? What do they change it to? Who can pronounce it? Do you know it? Say it loud. Belshazzar? I would say Belteshazzar. It doesn't matter how you say it. You know, when you're reading the Bible, go ahead and just say it however you want, okay? Uh, just, you know, as long as you get the point, Belteshazzar is how I'm going to say it. I don't know. Okay, so we got Daniel, whose name was God is my judge, and they change it to Belteshazzar. And then you got Hananiah, whose name means the Lord is gracious. And they want to change the name. And so... Uh, 
they change it to Shadrach. Right, right, Ryan? Shadrach? Then we got Mishael. And his name means who is what God is, is what their name means there. And they change it to Meshach. So we got Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach. Azariah's name was meant the Lord is a helper. And they change it to Abednego. Abednego. So we got Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, I'm going to uh, refer to them to, uh, with their biblical names, okay? Daniel, we got Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And uh, so King Nebi is trying to corrupt them, trying to break them down, trying to totally uh, uh, give them a new identity. He's also going to put them through intense training. He's going to put them through education so they learn his ways. They become like him. And then Neb is going to change their diet. He's actually going to feed him his own food, his own food and drink. And this is actually good. King Neb is going to give these youth the best of the best food, the food that he eats, the good stuff, right? And so this is sounding like a pretty good situation to me. I mean, he's giving them the best education they could ever receive. He's giving them the best food they've ever eaten. He's uh, promising them that if he sticks with them, if they, be, if they are trained and educated at the end, they can be in King Nebuchadnezzar's personal service They'll part, be part of his personal service. And then he's promising them at the end, they'll go back to their land of Judah and they'll be ruling over their own people. They'll have power. They'll be in charge of people. And so this is sounding pretty good. Good education, good food, and all the power that they want. But what is King Nebuchadnezzar trying to do? He's trying to corrupt them by enticing them, giving them all the desires that they might want. You want popularity? You want power? Okay, I'm going to put you in charge of your own people. You want the best food? I'm going to entice you like that. You want good education? I'm going to make you really smart, and you're going to be raised up like that. He's given them all of their desires in order to get them, grab a hold of them, and ultimately corrupt them and brainwash them. And isn't that what our world does today? Yeah, right? Satan and the world does this exact thing. He tries to entice you by feeding into your desires. What do you guys like? You want popularity? You want a ton of friends? You want popularity through social media? Do you want all the money in the world? Do you want to be powerful? Do you want to be president one day or governor? Or you want to rule over people? You want to be a leader? What else do you want? You want clothes? You want materials? You want toys? You want video games? You want leisure? You want all this fun time? You don't want to go to school anymore? Whatever you want, okay? There, go, go ahead. It's okay. Whatever you want to do in life, whatever you want to be, you can do it. You can have it. Anything this world has to offer, you can have. And this is Satan's way to grab a hold of you and corrupt you and to bring you further away from God, right? And so this is the same plan. The world would do anything to pull you away from God. And Nebuchadnezzar is doing the same thing to these kids. He's giving them the good stuff so that they start to like him. You know, if King Nebuchadnezzar gives me some mac and cheese and some chicken nuggets and ketchup galore, 
then I'll, I'll follow him is basically what he's hoping would happen. You know, if he gives me unlimited Sundays and, uh, you know, chocolate and Oreos, double stuffed, then I'll follow him. And if he gives me a good education and he gives, promises me, uh, you know, I'll have some power later, then I'll follow him. So that's what he's trying to do to them. But Daniel says, what? No. Daniel says, no, I will stay faithful to God. I won't give in. And Daniel is put right in the very beginning. He's put to the test. And so we're going to see what happens and how Daniel responds. Now listen, we're going to read the entire chapter, Daniel chapter 1. Because this time, this, this portion of our time is the only perfect time, the only infallible time, the only thing that I'm going to get completely right, not me, but God. And, uh, and so we're, we got to read it all, okay? And we've got to read the whole story. And so to help us with this, I want you to stand up. Go ahead, stand up. You're going to stand up and this is going to get your, your, you know, yourself out of your chair. So you're not, you know, becoming numb and, uh, and it's going to get you awake. And it's also for respect of the word of God. And so we're going to read it together. So grab your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter one, starting in verse one. And we're going to read together. You're going to read it silently. I'll read it out loud for you. Okay. Daniel chapter one. And when you're there, everybody goes, shh. Jack, is it there? Shh. Okay. Daniel chapter one, okay? Uh, let's bring it back from silliness to seriousness, okay? Okay, this is the word of God. Daniel chapter one, starting in verse one. It says this. In the third year of the reign of Jeho- Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom was no defeat, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food, and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Okay, so this is where we're, we know this, right? We spent all of last week studying up to this point. Daniel is captured. All the youth are captured. King Neb is in charge, and he's trying to brainwash them, right? Verse 6. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, in Azariah, then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belteshazzar. And to Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind 
that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your, with your servants according to what you see. Verse 14. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. They look really good. They're plumped up. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then, at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. And out of them, all not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers um, who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Good story, right? It's true. So you can take a seat. Go ahead. That was Daniel chapter one. Daniel is in a scary situation and uh, he's put to the test, but he is going to ultimately display uncompromising faith, uncompromising faith. And Jesse, can you tell us what uncompromising faith is? Read it from your outline. Go ahead. Nice and loud for everybody. Um, a belief in trust in Christ and a desire to obey his word that can never be shaken or changed no matter the consequences. Let's go. Give it up for Jesse. Yeah. yeah. Uncompromising faith Daniel displays. And so let's dig deeper. And I want us to ask the question, how can we display uncompromising faith just like Daniel? How can we be just like him in this way. And so I've got four points for you. Number one, decide to obey. Decide. D-E-C-I-D-E. There you go, okay? Uh, decide. Decide to obey. And this is in verse 8. Let's read it again. It's in your outline. Let's all read it together. Daniel 1, verse 8, in your outline. Three, two, one. But Daniel made up his mind. Okay, let's start over. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. 
Three, two, one. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. It's okay. We'll work on it, okay? But this is in verse 8. You got to decide to obey. Daniel makes a decision. He sets his heart on the Lord. He makes up his mind that he will stay faithful, that he will choose to obey God rather than man. No matter the consequences, he will stay faithful to God and obey his word, even in this scary situation. This reminds me of Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord. He chooses, he dedicates himself He chooses to study the word and to dedicate his life to it. And so is Daniel. He chooses. He makes a decision. I will follow God. I will obey him from the very beginning, no matter the consequences, no no matter what I'm put through, no matter what difficulties come my way in my life, I will follow God. And I want to ask you, students, Is this what you have said? Have you said this? Have you decided this in your own heart? That you will follow God no matter the consequences, no matter what happens in this life. Daniel refuses to follow these, follow King Nebuchadnezzar and to follow his command to eat of his food. Daniel refuses to eat the king's food because if he did, you know what this would mean? It's kind of hard to understand, but if Daniel eats King Nebuchadnezzar's food, which is good, which is fattening, you know, made him all plump, you know, it's, there's probably mac and cheese there. It's probably the chicken nuggets and A1 steak sauce and a Capri Sun. It's, it's, it's all there, right? And so it's enticing to kind of, you know, eat this food. That would be easy to eat this food. But if Daniel ate the king's food, he would be making an allegiance devoting himself to false gods, and he would be disobeying God. That's what he would be doing. Now let me explain. This food, the king's food, was presented and sacrificed to false gods, okay? It was sacrificed to false gods. And so eating this food would be making an allegiance, would be devoting yourself to their false gods. It's kind of like, you know, I'm at Thanksgiving, you know, and at Thanksgiving, you've got all of these different foods, and they're all made by different people. And when I was a kid, you know, I was kind of, you know, watching my mom, and my mom would make stuff and bring stuff to Thanksgiving. And uh, when she was looking, I'd be watching, and I'd be serving myself, you know, just the food that she made, you know. I only want to be seen getting the food she made, because I don't want to displease her. I don't want to identify with Auntie Karen's food, you know? I don't want to make her think that I like Auntie Karen's food. No, Mom, I only like your food, so I'm only going to eat your food, okay? That's what I would do. Terrible illustration. But Daniel is choosing. I'm not going to eat this food because if I ate this food, then I would be seen as devoting myself to false gods. Does that make sense? And I don't want to do that. I want to stay faithful to God, the true God, Yahweh. He would also be not only devoting himself to false gods, he would also be disobeying God's word, God's command, God's law for him. Because in the Old Testament, are you paying attention? Old Testament. 
Old Testament gets your head going, what? And then, okay, oh, in the Old Testament, God gave them some commands not to eat certain foods, certain unclean foods, right? And in part of this king's food, some of it is some of what God commanded Daniel and all of those people not to eat. Does that make sense? And so if Daniel were to eat this food, he would be disobeying God. He would be devoting himself to false gods, and he would be disobeying the true God. So Daniel knows that this is wrong. And so Daniel does what? He decides not to eat the food, right? He makes a decision. I will follow God. I will obey his word, his law for me, no matter what. And so he chooses not to eat the food. He asks permission to eat a different diet. I just want vegetables is what he wants. It's what he can eat, okay? And so he decides, I will follow God. So another thing I want to point out in this is that Daniel didn't just make this decision by himself. Who's with him? His friends, right? And his friends are? Okay, yeah, God's with him, yes. What are his friends' names? Come on. Say it again. Okay, so he's with his friends. And luckily, God blesses him. He's with his friends. And his friends also believe in God. They're also staying faithful to God. And so Daniel doesn't make this decision on his own. His friends also go alongside him. And they all together, they say, we will stay faithful to God. We will obey God. And we will not eat this food. And so I want to point this out to say, who are your friends? Okay, because in this life, when we're trying to follow God, when we're we're trying to obey him, if we're surrounding ourselves with all of the wrong people, all of the people who don't love God, who don't follow God, what's going to tend to happen? They're going to lead us further away from God, right? But if we surround ourselves with people who love God also, then we all together can follow God together all as a team and follow him and stay faithful with him faithful to him together does that make sense and so it matters who you hang out with it matters who you surround yourself with uh constantly because first corinthians fifteen thirty three: do not be deceived bad company corrupts what good morals and so we have to also surround ourselves with good friends who also love the lord if that's possible if the lord blesses us in that way we have to surround ourselves with the right friends but in this point daniel makes the decision i will follow god number two in our question of how can i develop an uncompromising faith like daniel well you decide to obey and number two you do obey you do obey d-o okay Uh, If you need help spelling that. You do obey. Verses 9 through 16. It's one thing to decide that you're going to obey God. It's one thing to choose and decide that you're going to follow him. I'm going to make a declaration at summer camp. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. It's one thing to say that. But it's an entirely different thing to actually obey God. So in your life, 
Have you made a declaration? I'm going to follow God. I'm going to obey God. Well, look at your life. Do you actually obey him? Are you actually doing the things that he has commanded? Are you actually striving and seeking to kill your sin? Or are you just a hypocrite and saying that you're a Christian, saying that you follow God and just all talk, but no action? No, Daniel actually does obey God. He actually does step out in faith and make the decision to talk to the uh, overseers and say, can we please have different food? Because I cannot eat the king's food. He could have been killed. He could, there could have been serious consequences. But it doesn't matter to Daniel. All he's concerned with is being faithful to God and following him. Not only does he say, he decides, I will follow God, he actually goes and he does it. Does that make sense? I don't want us to be all talk and no action when it comes to following God. Actually do it, okay? There could have been major consequences. And so is true with our life. There are going to be consequences for following God. Our world gets darker and darker, more wicked and corrupt. And eventually, maybe the government's going to come again and say, you cannot study the Bible. What will you do? Will you study it? You cannot go to church. What will you do? Will you go to church? You cannot preach the gospel. You cannot tell people about Jesus because he offends people. What will you do? Will you continue to preach the gospel and tell people about Jesus? What if all of your parents, all of your family goes away from God and they leave him, they desert him, and they say, you should too. In fact, you will too. You will not follow God also if you live in our house. What will you do? Will you still follow God no matter the consequences? You said you would, but are you all talk and no action? When the time gets tough, and the time for Daniel is very tough, he's a slave, he's been captured, taken away from his family, and he says, I will follow God, and he actually does. He obeys, right? So, you decide to, to obey, you do obey, and number three, you depend on the Lord. You depend on the Lord. Daniel depended on the Lord through it all. And because of it, God blessed him. God worked in the hearts of the soldiers to allow Daniel and his friends to eat their vegetables instead of the king's food. God also gave them great knowledge and intelligence. And listen, obedience brings blessing. But we cannot obey. We cannot be obedient to God unless we depend on God. Why? Can we obey God perfectly in our own strength? Yes or no? Can we obey God perfectly in our own strength? Yes or no? No, right? There's no good in us. We are completely corrupt. We want to go our own way. We want to do our own thing. And so if we don't depend on the Lord, then we will never obey Him the way that we should. The only reason Daniel is able to obey God at all is because he's trusting in him. He's depending on him. He's asking him for help through prayer. And so should you. 
We cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. We must depend on God and ask him for help. Without God, without his power, without his strength, we will never be able to obey God. So you must depend on him. Lastly, number four, we saw you decide to obey, you do obey, you depend on the Lord. Number four, you display to the world. Display, D-I-S-P-L-A-Y. Display to the world. And what we see, look at verse 9 of Daniel chapter 1. Verse 9. It says this, Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And then, verse 17, As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. And as a result, verses 18 through 21 describes how Daniel and his friends go before Nebuchadnezzar after obeying God. They go before him and Nebuchadnezzar realizes that they are actually the best of the best of the best. Nebuchadnezzar took 300 of the best youth from Judah and Daniel and his three friends are even the best of the best. They're the brightest. They're the smartest. They're able to answer all of his questions because they have been blessed by God. And they shine as a light to the dark, dark world. You, know, you want to know what all the people are thinking at that time, all the other youth? They're like, what's different with Daniel, Hananiah, Meshach, Azariah? What's different about them? And you know what? If they have a conversation with them, you know what Daniel's going to say? You know what's different about me? Is I have God on my side. God is here to protect me. Because of that, I do not fear. Because of that, I have faith. Because of that, he has, because I obeyed him, he's blessed me greatly beyond what I deserve. And they're going to shine as lights in a really dark nation to all of those around them. And so will be the case with you. If you follow God, if you obey him, if you live like he has commanded you to, if you pursue Christ's likeness, you will shine as lights in this dark world and you too could lead people to Christ. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Okay? So that is basically Daniel chapter 1. Daniel displays un compromising faith he cannot be shaken he makes a decision i will follow god i will be faithful to him he actually goes through with it he decides to go to the overseers as overseers and say i will not eat that food give me different food despite what consequences might come for him he depends on the lord he displays to the world and we see the uncompromising faith of daniel but listen here God, listen, look up. God is not faithful to us just because we display faith and we obey him. The only thing that matters is that God 
was faithful to us. And he sent his son to live the perfect life, to die for us, to suffer for us, to die on the cross for us. God, Jesus, was the only one who obeyed perfectly. Daniel didn't obey perfectly, okay? He was really good. He obeyed much of the time. He had great obedience and great faith, but he was not perfect. There was only one perfect person, and that was Jesus Christ who obeyed his Father perfectly. He was pure. He was undefiled. And he died for you, for your sins. And so the only way that we can have this faith the only way that we can obey God at all, try to at all, is if we have faith in Jesus Christ. That he died for us, that he rose again from the grave, and that he gives us new life if we believe in him and turn away from our sins. We turn away from all that the world is trying to corrupt us to be and trying to give us all those desires. We turn away from it and we turn towards Christ. Yes? What it doesn't matter about how faithful we can get and how obedient we can get. We will never be perfect. We will never reach the perfect standard that's required. What matters is that God forgives you of your sin because his son already lived the perfect life and died for you. Does that make sense? What matters is Christ. And so we follow him and we stay faithful to him because of what he has done for us. Yes? That is the motivation in being obedient. That was Daniel's motivation as he looked ahead that there would be someone who would die for him, who would, who would pay for his sins. And that's our motivation as we look to the path that we know that Jesus did. He paid for our penalty. Yes? That's why we, we are obedient. That's why we stay faithful. Because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Everybody say amen. Oh, okay. Anyway, okay? So Daniel shows great faith, and we can too with Jesus Christ. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word that is so perfect. Thank you for your word that we can study freely without having to worry about any real consequences at all. Thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful to us, that you provide all that we need, that you give us so much grace and mercy each morning. And ultimately, we're so thankful that you sent your son to die for us. We know that we cannot obey at all. We cannot live this life at all without your son. It is because of him, his death and resurrection, that we can have life in you. Without him, we are all sentenced to hell and wrath. But with him, by putting our faith in him and repenting of our sins, we can have real, true, eternal life. And so I pray for that. For anybody who has not yet surrendered their lives to you, to your son, that they would do so now. Help us to have faith in you. Help us to grow in our faith and to become obedient and to kill our sin and to love you more than we love our sin. We need your help. We need your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.